You're listening to Orms Air, the Orms podcast, an open space where we discuss everything photographic and invite you to step inside our world of photography. For over 20 years, Orms has been the creative's go-to for all things photographic. From the best gear to breathtaking display options, visit ormsdirect.co.za for everything you need. Let's get chatting with Dion Yubab and Rachel Reeves. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Orms Air, the Orms podcast. Today in studio, we have a familiar voice joining us again. Dion's back. Hey, guys. Welcome, Dion. Hey, hey, thanks for having me. So this week on Orms Air, Dion and I will be debunking some photography myths. Yeah. Get excited. We're shooting those myths down. Yeah, we're shooting them down. I don't know. I feel like I'm on an episode of Mythbusters. Yeah, why not? Just need a hat and a... A fancy moustache. Yeah. I feel like I'm the only person who watched Mythbusters in this room. Probably. No. Do you never watch Mythbusters? No, of course I did. Okay, cool. Yeah, loved it. Yeah, it's great. Can't, can't believe they stopped it. Did they? Yeah. Is it over? Yeah. But okay. the one guy has his own YouTube channel now, which is quite popular. Okay, I'm going to go check that out. Mm. Clearly not a YouTube person. Yeah. Um, but I would like to actually formally start a petition to bring Mythbusters myth back. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so guys, get on that. Um, I'll link that in the show notes. I won't. That's a joke. <laughs> but if anybody wants to start that petition, I'm definitely jumping on board. Let's begin. Okay. Okay, so myth number one. A better camera will allow me to take better images. Yes, true. Hmm. Is that true, though? <laughs> <laughs> I actually, yeah, so when I was researching this one, um, I found a really nice quote by the massively famous Ansel mm. Adams. Legendary. Ansel Adams. I just said his name wrong. I'm sorry, Ansel. <laughs> um, and the quote is, the single most important component of a camera is the 12 inches behind it. Absolutely. So, so, so true. 100%. I will say, though, yeah. that obviously, especially now with digital photography and yeah. all that, um, gear does have an impact on the it quality of your image. Completely, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you cannot compare a, you know, or, or at least the the actual output, like the physical quality yeah. of the produced image from a camera from 10 years ago to something that you can purchase off the shelf now. Yeah. Um, just in terms of the megapixels, the sharpness, the way that the sensors gathered light and all of that, that has moved on tremendously. Yeah. Um, but I guess what you're getting at is that it's much more from a creative perspective. Yes, completely. But I mean, that, that definitely is my angle, I think. And I think with this myth, it's very much more along the lines of taking better images or making better images. Like, yes, yes. the quality, if you have a more updated camera or mm, mm. the latest gear will obviously be better because you know as you said the as technology progresses we get more and more things and stuff and like upgrades and all of that stuff and obviously that affects the quality mm. but does that necessarily translate into a better image visually no yeah no absolutely so that's not the yeah artistically the yes. you know gear has zero impact on what you can create yeah you know um yes there is going to be limitations yeah. you know um uh, no matter what you do you know you can't create the same depth of field effects with a you know a lens that only has a aperture of f4 as opposed to an aperture yeah, exactly. of 1.2 or something yeah um but again that's not that's not necessarily um part of that creative process really yeah. that's not that's not making the image I think the thing that the the thing with this myth is that um 
we sort of have this tendency to to use our our gear or our camera and think that we have mastered it and that we're yes. ready for something bigger and better. Absolutely. But I don't think that necessarily is always true. Mm. And I think the thing to remember is that it's it's sort of like a learning curve. You know, you've got to you've got to actually apply yourself and try and test and see what you can do, where you can push yourself, what are the limitations of this specific camera. Mm. And once you've mastered all of those things, like once you've pushed yourself to the extreme and you've pushed your gear to the extreme and you've managed to make or create a beautiful breathtaking image or something that you are proud of, then maybe then it's time to move on to something bigger and better. Yeah, and I think um, certain cameras, especially if you look at older digital cameras, they mm. do have certain quirks that that kind of play in their favor, yeah. um, if I can put it that way. Um, like, um, I'll, I'll take myself back. I mean, like, one of one of my first uh, digital cameras was a Canon 400D. Yeah. And, I mean, that's now an 11-year-old camera, you know, as, as we're sitting here. And just when you, when you shot black and white mm-hmm. on that camera, the amount of grain that it picked up, the amount of noise that you got out of yeah. it is staggering compared to anything that you can purchase now. Yeah. But I loved it. Yeah. No, I love that like messy, noisy kind of look. And and in certain aspects it really worked. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, okay, so now that that myth has maybe not been busted, but sort of explained m- more than yeah. Yeah, you know, I suppose I suppose <laughs> uh, to tie that nicely together, you don't really need the latest and greatest gear. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely. Gear helps. It does, yes. It absolutely helps, but it's definitely not the be all and end all. Yeah, completely. You know, yeah, of creating a good image. Yeah, I think I think you have to you have to do the work. Absolutely. You have to push absolutely. yourself. Okay, cool. And then so let's go on to the next myth that we're going to bust. Yeah. Or Maybe just unpack and explain. <laughs> <laughs> um, shooting raw is better than JPEG. Okay. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> I think this is quite a big one, though, and I think this is um, this is something that we're sort of we're we're constantly told, and I don't know if it's necessarily a hundred percent a myth. Yeah. So yeah, a couple of the things that I've sort of written down or can draw from. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like I suppose, and we we are told that we do shoot in raw to avoid losing details, correct? Okay, yeah. Um, but as you were saying earlier, with technology progressing and image editing software, you will often find that the image quality of your JPEGs actually looks a lot better than your raw files. Yeah, it's quite g- interesting. Yeah, I guess if you take straight out of camera, yes, um, JPEGs definitely. Look more pleasing because they do, yeah. Um, I guess on a on a technical level, the the camera's processor yes applies post processing to that image data as yeah. it comes off the sensor, yeah. Um, and that's what you see when you have a JPEG, yeah. Um, and I mean, in a lot of cases, it's 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 great. Mm. Um, you know, I'll, I'll I'll mention um for example um Fuji cameras, yeah. You know, they have a lot of in camera processing with all their different um film simulations mm-hmm. and all of that that they output and in many cases you shoot a jpeg straight from camera and it looks phenomenal yeah um and you take a raw and you pull it into lightroom or something and you just you can't quite get to that same mm-hmm. look and feel as what that jpeg was yeah completely um i would say where the one benefit of a raw is or at least a raw file yeah um when you do record a raw image, you're essentially recording all the light information that's yeah. available within that scene. 
Um, so technically, you are you're both underexposing and overexposing mm-hmm. that scene um, without processing being applied. Yeah. So that does allow you to pull a lot more detail out of shadow areas yeah, and you know especially underexposed areas um, and in you know nowadays overexposed areas as well you can pull a more detail out of it yeah. than what you can in a jpeg but at the end of the day if you shoot relatively accurately and you don't mm-hmm. need to pull you know five or six stops of data back yeah. you know then you're fine yeah completely yeah i mean i've I can't say that I ever really have a problem with that. Yeah, and I think it I think it's very dependent on what you're wanting to do with your images. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean if you're if you're shooting to say shoot edit minimally and then, you know, post on your social media platforms, yeah. then shooting in JPEG is completely fine. Absolutely. But if you're shooting to, you know, an ad campaign that needs to be blown up like six stories, mm-hmm probably better that you shoot in raw absolutely absolutely yeah Yeah. but i think we do need to do away with this understanding that everybody needs to shoot in raw and if you're not shooting in raw you're not you know photographing correctly yeah that that idea that raw is better yes just isn't technically true yeah you know or it's losing its truth as we progress maybe yeah i guess um i mean with with photography becoming so um you know, d- driven by software and mm. algorithms, sort of computational photography. Yeah. Um, with that getting bigger and bigger literally by the day. Yeah. Um, it's probably not going to be very long before you look at a JPEG image and you go, yeah, yeah, I can, absolutely. You yeah. Know, no problems. Do everything that you can with a raw file. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just go for it. There you go. You've heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I have another bit, another myth, another okay. myth, another myth that actually follows quite nicely on from that last one, um, which is that you can't edit JPEGs. Oh, which definitely, is, definitely which is not true. A very interesting one. I think it's quite an old one. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, I think I suppose you know when editing for software was first introduced, this myth probably was very true. And you would have to convert JPEGs into TIFF files, you know, that would allow you to edit them yeah. as you can today with the updated software that we have. Mm, mm. Yeah, no, I'm definitely just a, just an outdated concept. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, edit edit your JPEGs all you want, really. Yeah, oh, I mean, you not? have the ability to now. Yeah, I think I think this myth is very much more for um, the old school photographers. Yeah, um, the like. Where I think this probably comes from is that because JPEG is a um, a continually um, compressing mm-hmm. file format and TIFF is not. Yeah. Um, so every time that you open a JPEG and you edit and you resave and open and save and open and save, every time you do that, yeah. the file compresses more and more and more. Yeah, and it loses quality. Yeah. So theoretically, after you know two million open and saves, mm-hmm. yes, you know you are yeah. going to have a poorer quality image, but I mean, that is quite an extreme case that would yeah. have to happen for you to l- actually see that degradation. So if you're if you're shooting in JPEG, maybe don't open open the file a million times? Yeah, like o- open, it, open it once, edit for hours, and yeah. then save once. <laughs> yeah. Hope it, and really, really hope that your computer cr- doesn't crash yeah. during that time. Yeah. <laughs> oh no maybe we shouldn't advise people to do that because nah, i feel like not. that could be a little bit dangerous okay guys just shoot in raw and edit in raw <laughs> play it safe <laughs> oh gosh okay um our next photographic myth okay. is that uv filters improve image quality 
Oh, I actually love this one. <laughs> this is great. Um, yeah, so I mean, essentially, I think like we all can understand that this um, this myth definitely came from time preceding digital cameras. Absolutely. Because I mean, this is definitely much more a analog photography sort of myth. Um, but yeah, with film sensors updating, we really don't have the need for UV protections. Yeah, I mean, DSLRs have it built in, correct? Correct, yeah. correct. You know, with um, with all of your uh, sort of filters in front of your sensors and mm. micro lenses and all of that, um, yeah, I mean that is that is absolutely there. And at the end of the day, it's just a digital photo site. Yeah, you know, it's no longer a, you know, essentially a piece of material with mm -hmm. silver halide on it and a you know a chemical reaction taking yeah. place that can be affected by UV light. It's it's, it's just a digital sensor. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, um, just from my side, straight up, UV filters, useless, you know, <laughs> on, on digital cameras. Um, and you sort of see that trend sort of happening over the last couple of years where UV filters are becoming less and less um, prominent. Yeah. And a lot of manufacturers that used to sort of propagate UV filters are now moving over to um, just calling it straight up like a, a protection filter. Yeah. Um, because that is kind of what uv filters have become you know yeah. you put a uv filter on so that you don't scratch your front element or you know something like that or if it drops you know there's at least some sort of protection yeah completely you know between it um what i will say about that though is yes. that um anytime that you introduce another element yes that light has to pass through in that optical system yeah. so like i mean you're putting a piece of glass in front of your lens yeah you know your lens that was manufactured to great care and, you know, R&D and developed over years and years and, yeah. you know, people doing crazy math to, you know, to make it work. And you're just putting a piece of glass in front of it. Take a little bit of care with that, you know. Um, yeah. Don't just go for, you know, I mean, it might sound a bit off, but don't just go for like the cheapest one you can find. No, completely. You know, um, it is something that potentially can impact your image quality. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, put a, put a little bit of effort in and get something good, you know, yeah. but um, it does not have to be a UV filter. Get a protection filter. I mean, I think there are a, a whole host of YouTubers that would very much disagree with what we're saying. Yeah. But this is our opinion. That's theirs. We'll keep it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Fair enough. Okay, so our next myth yeah. is... Um, yeah, it's sort of like one of those rules that you were taught. I suppose if you go to... Fog, Fuck, fuck, fuck. If you go to photography school, absolutely. These are one of these are the things that you're taught. And I mean, I suppose if you, you know, school of life it and YouTube it, these yeah. these are rules of photography that we can find everywhere. Mm. Okay, so the one is keep your horizon straight. Always. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think this is this is very, very not a myth if you're if you're focusing on landscape photography. Because obviously keeping your horizon straight, you know that sort of it gives you the sense of focus for your subject and landscape photography you need that yes but that doesn't mean that it's true for all subjects correct so in some instances i think skewing the horizon can actually create quite a nice like you know a little offbeat sort of image it can yeah. maybe create some um a sense of excitement or action sort of you know Skew it up a little bit, make it a little bit wonky, give it a little bit more depth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't shoot everything with a Dutch angle. but No, you know. I'm not saying that at <laughs> all. But I'm just saying that I think we, we focus so much on rules and we focus so much on um, 
repetition and doing things as, yes. they, as they have always been done. Yeah. I mean, I was I was taught this. Yeah. You know, this is like one of the first things, you know, you were taught. Yeah. Just horizon straight, um, tie in with the rule of thirds. Yeah. You know, yeah, keep it, keep keep it straight, keep it in the bottom third or top third yeah. and you know, and you're good to go. And it just it simply doesn't really work that way. Yeah. Um, especially if you um like I find, because because I really enjoy a bit of street photography, mm-hmm, yeah, and especially in that, I mean, it's completely. It's, I mean, you know, it, it just has no real place. You know, mm. you just you shoot what you can when you can. You know, horizon straight, horizon skew, just just make it happen. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's the thing. Like we we um, have a tendency to focus on things that we are taught. Yeah, and I think that in some instances, rules are meant to be broken. Absolutely. Yeah, this is definitely one of those rules you can break all yeah. the time. Um, yeah, going you, right along with rule of thirds. Yeah, you touched on the rule of thirds. So mm. if you don't know what the rule of thirds is, um, the rule of thirds basically states that you should keep your focal point placed in the third section of the image. Am I correct? Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love how I had to I had to refer back to my notes for that just to make sure that I got it correct because this is a rule that's always like my mind cannot grasp it completely. Yeah, yeah. I mean for me this goes along with um you know other things that you were taught like um never have your subject dead in the middle of a frame. Yeah. You know always have your subject like off to a side it's or like you know. Skewed. Yeah, you know and come on. It just, it just it has no real place in actual photography. No, not at all. Yeah, I mean, everything is just based on the effect that you want to create. Yeah. yeah. And I think if your effect doesn't go along with the sort of cookie-cutter method that we've been taught, mm. then break that rule. Absolutely. Think out, Yeah, think outside of the box. I'm just going to say all of these things now. <laughs> That's the last one I could think of. Um, but yeah, I think, and I think this rule, like 99% of the time, maybe it does apply. But as a photographer and... I've, I feel like we can we can broaden that term and refer to photographers as artists at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. As yeah. an artist, you obviously are wanting to express your own opinion and show your own voice. And if that rule doesn't apply to your voice, break it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you see, you see some amazing work that's Completely. created by breaking literally all of these rules. Yeah. And for me, the like my favorite one is the fact that your subject can never be in the center of the frame yeah you know um and yet you look at some amazing like uh you know sort of architectural style work mm-hmm. in that where that's kind of exactly what happens yeah it's, it's, Point a, it's exactly what you want yeah, yeah precisely so yeah i mean it just it just doesn't doesn't really have any place in a true creative expression yeah so i think um don't worry so much if your subject is, you know, not applying to the rule of thirds. If your horizons are skew, yeah, you know, you're creating an image that expresses who you are as a creative. So just do it. Yeah. Just go out and do it. I mean, it might be a little bit strange if you're a dedicated landscape photographer and all your horizons <laughs> are skew. But if that's your vibe, own it. But maybe you're trying to, um, you know, pass along the feeling of vertigo. There we go. That yeah. that would work very very well. Um. Actually, yeah. Um, there was a, there was a. I don't know if you've, if you've seen the. Oh, I can't remember what the director's name is. He did Midsummer or Midsummer. It's a incredible movie. I don't know if I would recommend it to everybody to watch because okay. it is a little bit jarring, um, and kind of upsetting in some scenes. Okay, great I'll movie. But there I'll is added to my list. <laughs> yeah, there is one scene where um, you're sort of following a car and. The obviously, you know, like landscape, like the the horizon is straight in front okay. of you. It's everything is normal. 
and then the camera just slowly turns on its head, does a 180, and you're upside down. Okay. And that effect, honestly, it makes you feel like you're, a, yeah, it, it completely throws you. So, I mean, I know <laughs> f- photography and filmmaking aren't exactly the same thing, but if you think about the effects that you can create by just simply flipping your horizon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Um, it was in one of the Thor movies. Yeah. You know, yeah, you see, I, you know, I watch uh, much more, um, you know, laid back movies. Yeah, thing. not not hectic. You know? <laughs> but no, so no, not. no, not so much. Um, but it was it was one of one of those movies, and I think it was the second one, um, mm. the Dark World. Yeah, where the director shot a lot of the scenes, especially interior scenes. Yeah, um, with Dutch angles. Oh, that's incredible. Well, I mean, I think like they don't quite pull it off yeah. all that well, and it looked a bit weird. And eventually, when you started to notice it, it kind of <laughs> got to you. You know, um, I don't think it was intentional. It's like a creative effect. I think they sort mm. of just maybe try to be a little bit different. But there are, as in that instance, there's cases where it doesn't just, work. It doesn't work. No. Okay. So now you've seen. I mean, <laughs> both sides of that coin. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe just just try and maybe don't. Yeah. Maybe don't push it if it's not actually speaking yeah. for you or don't adding force something. It. Yes, that's yeah. the word. Don't force it. Yeah. So our next photographic myth is yeah. post-processing is cheating. And okay. I think this is a big one at the m- specifically at the moment. You know, like in this in this day and age, in this yeah. sort of state of the world that we're in, you can never really trust an image that you see online. Correct. Yeah. It's quite scary, really. I mean, people can look a hundred percent different to they to what they actually look like. Yeah, in an image than they do in real life. Yeah, if you look at my uh, LinkedIn profile, that's not remotely what I look like. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone go and look at Dion's LinkedIn profile immediately. Yeah, there was some there was some creative lighting and a little bit of Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now you like, and I I immediately did I did exactly this. I I yeah. um, sort of jumped on the bandwagon and I was like, yeah, it's such a new age thing, you know, in the state of the world, blah 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 blah. But I think post-processing has been around for, I mean, since photography was invented. Absolutely. If you think about it, like all of the different darkroom techniques people would use to edit their images and to change the way that they actually looked. Yeah. So it's definitely not a new thing, but I think what is new is the amount of image processing software that we have, that we have available to us. Correct. Correct. And what you can actually do and make it look 100% realistic. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know, like, just you know, if you if you look back, um, I know there's there's been some uh, some not so nice world leaders, yeah. um, you know, back in the day that used to, um, you know, if they had a a political enemy, yeah, that was in images, they would go back and have those images altered and books reprinted for them to be out of it, you know, um, to literally take those people out of images and out of records and archives and that kind of thing. Um, but with a lot of that, because mm. it was darkroom work, you yeah. know, you could you could see that there were alterations done. Yeah. You know, you could immediately see. But nowadays, even with relatively basic Photoshop skills, you know, yeah. you'd be awfully hard pressed to tell if something was removed or added to an image if it if it's done properly. Yeah. Mm. But does that necessarily mean that pro- post processing your images is cheating? It depends on the application of yes, that image. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, if you're entering a, you know, if it's if it's if it's journalism, mm-hmm. or if you're entering, you know, I don't know, like the World Press Awards or something like that. Yeah. Um, is it cheating then? You know, if you're altering the meaning of an image. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. You know, um, but you know, if it's if it's if it's just for private consumption, yeah, or as artistic expression, um, then no, I mean definitely not. Just you know, edit away. Yeah, completely. I mean, I suppose like if you look at the beginning of photography, um, there were you know obviously there were you were able to edit your images and change your images. Yes. But I think we have to also look at how technology is progressing. And like, yes, our cameras are progressing and also our editing mm -hmm. software. So I think what we have available to us now, as you said, is way more vast than we had back then. Yeah. Competition-wise, I think, unless, you know, unless it's stated in the rules that editing yes. your images is not allowed, then you are most welcome to edit your images. Absolutely. And I um, think I ag completely agree with you. It's, definitely to do with the level of em image editing correct yeah. correct yeah um for me as i as i said the moment that you change again depending on application mm -hmm. but if it's journalistic or anything or like a, in a documentary setting yeah the moment that you change the meaning of an image yeah you know then it becomes a problem yeah exactly um, yeah everywhere else um you know if you you know even if you do take a documentary shot and you know you remove something say for example you remove something from the image that just doesn't fit and doesn't make it a pleasing image yeah you know there isn't necessarily anything wrong with that you know because you're still telling the exact same story yeah exactly i mean i think yeah so i think yeah like you said bringing out editing to bring out your story i think that's the key yeah yeah, so you're actually you're you're just emphasizing your voice more than you are completely distorting the image. Funnily enough, I think this this sort of ties in with the myth that we were talking about earlier with um, regards to raw versus JPEG and what was better. And yeah. I think that um, if you and like you said earlier, when you shoot in JPEG, your camera automatically well not automatically, but your camera adds some processing onto it. Absolutely, as you shoot. Yeah. So mm -hmm. therefore, I mean processing you are processing you know maybe not post processing but you are processing as you're taking images if you're shooting in jpeg that's arguably a very good point yeah. um thanks i remember years ago and at the time like the first time i i saw this i was blown away by it but yeah. i know now like cell phones do it and and all of that but i i think it was fuji yeah. brought out a camera or it was sony uh, i can't remember which one it was but it was a like a like a bridge camera, so it yeah. wasn't like anything super professional. But it had this feature where if you set it on a tripod, mm -hmm. and say for example you're capturing a scene of a you know like a landscape or something like that, it yeah. was sort of very much designed around tourism and that kind of thing. And um, you know people would walk in front of the camera or walk around in your scene. Yeah, the camera would keep shooting images and then overlay the blank spaces where there's no people. Until oh, eventually, yeah, until you have an image where there's no people in your shot. Which is crazy. That's amazing. And like the first time I saw this 10 years ago, yeah. I was, my mind was blown, yeah. absolutely blown because I knew the amount of editing that that would take in Photoshop yeah. or whatever it was at the time that you would have to do to get an image like that. And yeah. here was a camera that you could just buy off the shelf and it will do it internally. Um mind-blowing yeah completely yeah and i mean yeah i mean that that, that kind of just plays to your point you know yeah. like every image that you take essentially has been edited already yeah mm. yeah completely i mean we like if we're if we're going that sort of and i feel like this goes into a little bit of black mirror territory fair enough um but th i mean we have i i don't know what the software is called but we have software now that will literally make you an image if you type in what you need it will make you a photograph of oh, okay. what you're looking for 
Jeez. I read an article about mm. it. I will find this article and I will link it in the show notes because okay. it, yeah, it, it like, I, and I feel like this with most technology, like I get really excited and then really scared at the same time. <laughs> it's like, oh no, what is happening to the world? Um, yeah, it all turns into a little bit of a Margaret Atwood novel, I think. Yeah. But it's good. Yeah, I mean, like, you, you, even like you take now, you take um, like Photoshop's new algorithms. Yeah. You know, like um, like that, like uh, I think it's the content-aware cropping tool yeah. that it does. Um, you know, where um, or like or like the um, like the content remove tool. Yeah. Um, where you can just literally select an item in the frame, press delete, and it'll take it away, and then use the surrounding imagery to fill in what the background would have been. Oh, that's crazy. You know, and using reference files yeah. and all kind of stuff like that, and just fills it in and looks like it was never there and again you know a couple of years ago that was a massive amount of work to yeah. have to do it and now it's just click of a button and and it's done also as someone who does not use photoshop yeah well that's incredible yeah well i mean same same here that's incredible. why i just called it content aware cro <laughs> cropping and that's probably not what it is even remotely but yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll fact check that yeah, yeah. <coughs> But I'm like 90% sure I'm wrong. <laughs> but I feel like I've heard somebody say that before. Well, the technology is there, but I don't yeah. think it's called that. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> that phrasing maybe is not correct, but yes. the tech is, is spot there. on. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so our next myth that we're going to go on to. Okay, yeah. Our next and last myth, actually. Last myth. Is... I feel like I, I put this one in just for Dion. Okay. Um, always shoot in manual mode. Yes, absolutely. Every other mode is not to be used. <laughs> so you're saying this myth is true then? <laughs> yes, definitely. Oh no, Dion. Manual mode is the only way to go. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I'm going to disagree with you on that okay, one. Okay, fine. But I do, I mean, I must give you that point because I do think, and I, I mentioned this earlier, I do think that like mastering your camera should always be top priority. Yes, so absolutely. I mean, yes, you should you should be fully comfortable to shoot in manual mode. Yes. But I don't think it's necessarily true that you should always shoot in manual mode. No. And I am going to agree with you there as well. Yes. You know, there there absolutely are scenarios where yeah. it's almost acceptable to not shoot in manual mode. Almost acceptable. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's yeah, it's very dependent on what you're shooting, your subject. Yes. And yeah, um, you know, if you need um, sort of quick response to rapidly changing conditions, mm -hmm. um, I think switching to aperture priority, aperture priority, or shutter priority, I just mumbled over those. Um, it like it really can get you that shot. And yeah. I think, yeah, as a photographer or as, I mean, I suppose there are very, um, these are very, not niche, but these are very um, situation-based. Mm. Yeah, so obviously prioritize knowing your camera, prioritize like learning the ins and outs of your, your gear, um, make it feel like an extension of yourself. And yes, I do agree, shooting a manual is a great way to get to know your camera mm. and to know how to create the images that you're looking for. But I do think that not shooting in manual mode always yeah, is I a mean, good thing. I would, I would hate to have to shoot a sport event Yeah, purely in manual. Case in point, yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they're... You know, probably go to like a like an aperture priority yeah. or maybe shutter priority, depending on what it is that you're shooting, yeah. and just and just go from there. You know, um, I I do kind of feel that in any event where you are 
actually creating an image. Mm-hmm. Shooting in full auto is probably not the way to go. No. You know, um, that becomes very messy very quickly. Yeah, um, please don't do that. No. <laughs> please don't do that. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, as long as you can have some sort of control over it to influence what your end result is going yeah. to look like, yeah, l- let the technology that you have at hand pick up some of the slack. Yeah. You know, um, if you know that everything that you are going to shoot is going to be at f2.8. Yeah. Yeah, then absolutely, you know, lock it out and play with the rest of it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think essentially, yeah, get to know your camera. Yeah, absolutely. Learn your stuff. <laughs> it should feel like an extension of you. Yeah. I mean, like, that is kind of what it what it needs to be, and ir- irrespective of mm. what type of camera it is. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, there's, you know, like... You know, um, some people believe that manual focus, for example, is the Mm -hmm. way to go, you know. Um, And yeah, I mean, a couple of years ago, we didn't have the luxury of autofocus, you know. Um, But just because something didn't used to exist doesn't mean that it's not. Exactly. Yeah, that it's that it's not better or that it's um, that it should be avoided. Yeah. Um, Again, I would right now I would hate to shoot a rugby game in manual focus. Oh no, completely. Can you yeah. imagine? I mean, like, you know, <laughs> I know 40 years ago that's yeah. how everybody did it, yeah. but I, I don't know how they got those shots. Because <laughs> I would not be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, they were clearly just a different breed back then. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's the only, the only explanation I can think of. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, w- we had, when we had a, um, a, the launch for the Ronin AC yeah, a couple yeah. of weeks ago, I mean, like I I have a camera now that's only manual focus, yeah. right? So um I were taking pictures at this event yeah. and I took um I took just over seventy images mm-hmm. and I have exactly four images that are in focus. Oh wow. <laughs> Fast moving ballet dancers yeah. with manual focus is yeah. not the way to go. That's not Although easy. you got four pictures. Yeah, exactly. Which? Yeah. But if I was shooting with a um let me call it a more modern camera. Yeah. You know, yeah, I probably would have had 70 images. Which is crazy. Yeah. But yeah, that is that is the thing. So yeah, use the technology that's available. Completely. Yeah. But also don't give up on yeah, actually sort of doing doing the work. I think yeah. that's the thing. We shouldn't become lazy. No. Yeah. Okay. Do we have any more myths? We don't have any more myths. What? That's is that it. it. Is that it? Those are, those are no. all of our myths for today. No, come on. There must be more. Can we have some honorary myths? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can you think of any myths off the top of your head that you'd like to bust? Um, there was one that actually keeps coming coming up, mm-hmm. um, and it has to do with batteries. Okay, yeah. Um, I still hear this one quite often, yeah. and um, we still get a lot of questions about it from from customers. Okay. You know, um, and that's that that idea that um, you know y- you cannot charge a battery. Until yeah. it's empty. Oh, you know, like, okay. It, like, do batteries still have to run empty before you can charge them? Yeah. Um, back in the day, yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, but just like everything else, battery technology has moved on. Yeah. You know, um, when you had nickel metal hydride batteries, mm-hmm. yes, those units, you know, if you run them till halfway, charge them up, they would build up a, a sort of a memory. Yeah. Um, but that's just not the case with lithium ion anymore. Um, you know, which is pretty much in everything right yeah. now. I mean, if you if you just kind of think about it, you know, you 
probably put your cell phone on charge every night, you know, irrespective of, you know, whether it's on 70% or 2%, you know, you put it on charge and it's fine. (laughs) But isn't like, and I think that's also, yeah, I mean, like you talk about cell phones, but I, isn't that the thing when you get a new cell phone, you have to run the battery out before you charge it? No, no, that's not a thing anymore. Isn't it a thing anymore? What? I haven't gotten a new cell phone in so long, (laughs) guys. I need a new cell phone. But like that's, that's the whole thing. Like yeah. all of all of that that you were taught back in the day about batteries and how to work them, it's 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 just completely wrong. It's crazy. Yeah, you if you get a new phone or a new camera or whatever, take it out of the box. Yeah. You know, you can charge it straight away and when it's at a hundred percent, unplug and you're good to go. And nothing bad will happen. Absolutely nothing bad will happen. Arguably arguably nowadays it's probably worse to run it completely yeah. flat all the time. Yeah. You know, um, or to like run it flat and then only charge it to like 70% and yeah. then start using it, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not going to build up a memory or anything like that. Those days are gone. <laughs> charge as you see fit. Myth busted. Nice. <laughs> okay, guys. So that is about all of the myths that we have for you today. Yeah, if you so. can think of any that you would like us, you would like to hear us discuss, please send them through. You have our email, you can comment on our podcast on iTunes. Give us a rating. Let us know what you're thinking about the podcast so far. We'd love to hear feedback from you guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, and thank you, Dion, for joining me in studio today. Uh, always, always. It's nice to have you back. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, with our fancy new podcast equipment. Oh, this is so amazing. Like, this is this is my first time using these microphones and They're incredible. headphones and, like, a fancy mixing desk here. Like, you know, I'm feeling very, very professional. Yeah, or we're probably not using any of the correct terminology. No, no, probably not. But, but we'll definitely, really and we will definitely be doing a uh, full video on it on our new podcasting equipment on Orms TV. Yeah, do a little review, a little walk yes. video. Yeah, can't wait. I think it will be a very exciting one. You'll probably mm. get to put a face to the name of our producer, Jess Semple. Yeah, she's, she's going to have to be in there because she yeah. might be the only person who really knows what all of this <laughs> is. It is, I mean, this equipment is kind of her baby, so yes. I think she'll she'll tell you guys all about it then. But look out for it, um, and if you haven't subscribed to Orms TV yet, go on, subscribe. Um, and yeah, that's about it for us, and thank you to Jess Semple, our podcast producer, for doing everything that she does, for mixing our audio, for sitting here with us, and just for making sure that we sound great. Mm. Always. Always. Um, yeah, and that's it. Jess, you can roll the outro. Cool. Ding, Cheers, ding, guys. Ding. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of Orms Air, the Orms podcast. I hope you've enjoyed being a part of the conversation as much as we've enjoyed having you. If you have any questions, feedback, or suggestions for us, please get in touch by emailing ormsair at orms.co.za. Head on over to ormsair.buzzsprout.com and take a peek at this week's show notes for more information on any works referenced or topics discussed in this week's episode. If you've enjoyed this episode of Orms Air and feel that someone you know could be creatively enriched by joining us in conversation, why not share this episode with them and invite them to join our photographic community? Until next week, keep questioning, keep inspiring, and above all, keep creating.